You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On NFL Podcast. I'm your Monday host, Bo Brock, daily host of Locked On Cardinals. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Tell them that Locked On sent you. Today is Memorial Day. We honor those who made the ultimate sacrifice, the men and women who died while on duty with the U.S. military. And it's a day where... Americans across the country, we pay our respects. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On Network at B O B R A C K to follow me, Bo Brock. Tell us which team you want to see Julio Jones suit up for in 2021, and which quarterback you want to see him catch passes for. It's the hot topic. It's what we're talking about a lot of today's podcast. Russell Wilson, Julio Jones, chatting it up on the phone. Who even talks on the phone any longer? Corbin Smith, locked on Seahawks, helps us ponder what a Seahawks-Falcons deal might look like. It does include a talented young wide receiver going from the Pacific Northwest and heading to the ATL. And some of us believe that the Titans are the favorites to land Jones. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans answers if Tennessee absolutely has to land Julio Jones to compete in the AFC because they only have A.J. Brown as really their proven commodity as a pass catcher on the roster. And Julio Jones is taking up most of the headlines, but there's another big name that could be on the move post-June 1st. Of course, you have that deadline. Gino Camilleri of Lockdown Eagles tells us if it's inevitable for a divorce between Zach Ertz and Philadelphia. Yeah, I brought up the June 1st. Uh, It's a crucial date in the NFL, and it's got an impact on how a player's contract falls after being traded or released. Before June 1st, any remaining prorated money on a player's contract accelerates onto the cap the year in the year that they are cut or traded. That changes after June 1st. If a player is released or traded after June 1st, no further prorated money accelerates onto the cap. Instead, that money accelerates onto the following year's cap. Like for example, a player who has 4 years remaining on a deal in 2.5 million in prorated money in each of those years. If a team cuts him before June 1st in 2021, his cap number in 2021 could be $10 million. So if the team releases him on June 2nd, his cap number in 2021 would then just be $2.5 million. And the remaining $7.5 million impacts the 2022 salary cap. So that's why it's important. And you'll see some teams, especially a guy like Julio Jones and Zach Ertz, their moves will come after tomorrow couple news and notes before we get to Corbin Smith here. Locked on Seahawks. Phase 3 continues. It's going to continue through June 18th. We've uh, heard some insight from Foxborough. Mac Jones apparently impressing during OTAs. And new Pats wide receiver Kendrick Bourne says that Jones has swag. I don't know if I've ever, if I would ever describe or would have imagined Mac McCorkle Jones being described by that word swag. But it sounds like he's got the confidence. He's bringing great energy to Foxborough and Pat's OTAs. Jones uh, worked behind Cam Newton during workouts and uh, had a ton of time with offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. you got to check out Mike DeBate over at Lockdown Patriots for all the insight on that uh, brewing quarterback battle. 
with the Patriots. In the report from over the weekend, Russell Wilson, Julio Jones, chatting on the phone. Corbin Smith, Locked on Seahawks, joins us here on the Locked on NFL podcast. Your host, Bo Brock. Corbin, most people kind of view early March NFL free agency as busy season and time to reshape rosters, but that's not the case, it seems, with John Schneider and the Seattle Seahawks. It seems like there's a trend that we're seeing here now the last couple of years, because this is not just the Seahawks. If you look at what's going around the league, you've got quarterbacks trying to force their way out like Aaron Rodgers. You've got Julio Jones that has made public statements, even though I don't think he was on <laughs> that. He knew he was on the phone with Shannon Sharp earlier, sure. uh, but these comments are being made. Players are getting more power to be able to change destinations. And so it's not surprising to me that we are seeing more of these, moves starting to materialize after the June 1st deadline and obviously the Seahawks going out and get Jamal Adams last year that was the big move last offseason I expect the Seahawks will make a trade before the season starts I just don't know that Julio Jones is going to be the one they're going to be getting in return yeah I'm glad you said that because when you look at this roster and you look at their biggest remaining needs I mean wouldn't it be on the defensive side of the football where they would want to bolster it because I mean, they've got a pair of 1,000-yard receivers with double-digit touchdowns returning. Russell Wilson's returning. Gerald Everett enters this lineup. Uh, it seems like offensively, they should probably be pretty content. I mean, I know you wouldn't turn your nose up on acquiring Julio Jones, but I like that you said they're probably going to make a trade. But w- where do you think that they could – what area do you think that they could address? Well, I think that they're going to continue investigating the Jones thing because John Schneider never is going to turn a blind <laughs> eye to a player of that talent. Sure. And if you're playing Madden and you can get Julio Jones with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you're doing it in a split second. But the other name you didn't throw out there was Dwayne Eskridge. They just used their second round pick on him and he's an explosive athlete that hmm. I know the team is really excited about. You might have to include him in a package if you're going to get Julio Jones. And so there's a lot of moving factors there. I actually wrote an article about it yesterday. The player that I've heard murmurs throughout the offseason that could be on the move that would make a lot of sense for Seattle is Stephon Gilmore, the corner for the New England Patriots. He's half the price, going to have a $7 million cap charge for this year. One year left in his contract. New England's got Juwan Williams waiting in the wings. They spent a lot of money in a bunch of other positions. So I look at Seattle's defense right now. The corner position to me is still the biggest question mark. I think they have better depth than they had last year, but no Shaquille Griffin. They need to find an upgrade at that position, and Stephon Gilmore is one of the best in the business. So that would be a name I would throw out there that I could see John Schneider. He's made trades with Bill Belichick before. I could see that coming to fruition by training camp or before the start of the regular season. It's really interesting to think about uh, and absolutely would help solidify or just bolster that uh, defensive secondary, play him along with another member of the AFC East and Jamal Adams. Yeah, that'd be scary for the teams in the NFC West and the teams that want to contend in the NFC postseason next year. So let's get back to the fun part. Let's talk maybe some more of this Julio Jones. Um, Obviously, not a ton of cap space there in Seattle. Who are some restructure candidates that would have to maybe – where would they be able to shift some money around to make that work? I think they would have to do it with Russell Wilson to swing this because I believe Jones has a $15.3 million cap charge even after the June 1st deadline. It was significantly more than that before that deadline. But 
they're around seven and a half million in cap space right now. They have signed their small rookie class. So they do have a little bit of wiggle room there. That seven million or so, most of that they have can spend on uh, players like Julio Jones, but that's still half of what they're going to need. And Bobby Wagner, if you restructured him, it would create around six million. That's not enough. So Russell Wilson, it would have to be him. And the team has been reluctant to restructure either one of those players because you're just pushing cap hits down the road. And with what's happened with Russell Wilson this offseason, I don't know that the drama was ever as bad as what some media members portrayed it. But nonetheless, they've been hesitant to do that with either one of them. If they really want Julio Jones, though, they'll do that with Russell Wilson in a heartbeat. And I'm pretty sure the fact Wilson's been talking to Jones Mm -hmm. for reports I'm pretty sure that he would be totally cool with that. Not that he has to sign off on a restructure anyway, but he's going to get paid. Just he's going to get paid in a different format sure. than what he would on a number uh, normal contract. So he would be totally cool with that. I, I just, I still, I'm just wondering how do you get the ball to that many different receivers? Sure. It just seems to me like it really is a luxury addition, and he's still a darn good player, but he's going to be 33 soon. So you're looking at a player that is entering the latter stages of his career, and he's got 19-plus million-dollar cap hits the next two years. You've got to get DK Metcalf a new contract. Mm -hmm. You just extended Tyler Lockett. You can't have that much money invested in receivers over a two- or three-year period. It's just not tenable. So. I don't see this happening. It's intriguing, yeah. but I don't see it happening. No doubt about it, especially when you hear a report that they're chatting on the phone like a couple teenage girls. I mean, it's, it is kind of wild. But when you look at who could stand to maybe take a hit in production if a guy like Julio Jones comes to this offense, because there is, there's one football. And Russell Wilson does a good job in distributing. And as I mentioned, the numbers, 1,000-yard receivers for both Lockett and Metcalf. You've got a very productive running game. Gerald Everett comes over from L.A. via free agency. Uh, Who stands to maybe lose production, especially from those two top wide receivers if Julio Jones comes to the Pacific Northwest? I think Metcalf is the one that's going to get less touches because he and Julio Jones are similar players. Hmm. You're going to be able to run Tyler Lockett out of the slot. I think he's still going to be getting his touches for the most part. Eskridge is going to be the one that's in really tough shape here, getting opportunities as a rookie. Again, if he's on the team, I would think the Atlanta Falcons, if their new general manager, Terry Fontenot, is using his brains, (laughs) is going to say, oh, you want Julio Jones? We want your second-round pick, Dwayne Eskridge, as part of this deal Mm -hmm. so that we have another receiver that we can team up with Calvin Ridley. So I don't know that he would still be there. It would be an interesting move. That would be totally different than what we've seen this time of year, trading a top draft pick away like that, that quickly. Uh, But yeah, I would think that Metcalf would probably be the one because you're looking at similar skill sets playing on the outside primarily. He's the one I could see taking the biggest hit production wise from Julio Julio Jones showing up. Here's the thing. I don't think Metcalf would care if Seattle wins 14, 15 games and they compete for a Super Bowl. He he is a, he is the consummate teammate. Sounds like it. uh, Really interesting stuff, stuff that you're not going to get from an ESPN article. Of course, that's what the locked on podcast network provides you. Corbin Smith locked on Seahawks real quick before we get you out of here in hindsight. And you mentioned it a little bit, the Russell Wilson situation. What can we kind of take away from this? What was that all about? as things seem to have uh, kind of settled down. I think his agent did him a major disservice when he came out and listed those four teams, and maybe there was more behind it than what meets the eye. But 
from everything that I gathered throughout this process, he never wanted to leave Seattle. I, I think that he was pushing buttons, though, because he's tired of the early playoff exits. He's obviously tired of getting hit so much. They went out and they got Gabe Jackson, who is known for his pass protection. So uh, then they were trying to go out and get Joe Thune early in free agency, too. It just ended up being too expensive. So John Schneider took Russell Wilson's pleas, and he actually went into aggressive mode early in free agency. Kevin Zeitler was also on the radar. They gave him Mm -hmm. a really good offer, and he ended up picking the Ravens. So they were going out trying to get offensive line help, at least adding one player to protect him a little better. And obviously adding Julio Jones (laughs) would just add another dynamic all-pro weapon to this receiving game. So they've made a lot of moves. I know he was excited about the Gerald Everett addition too getting a pass-catching tight end that can stretch the defense a little bit. So from everything I've gathered, that storm has passed, at least for now. Really what happens this year, though, is going to determine things because I do think we could be seeing the Seahawks and Russell Wilson kind of on a year-to-year thing now Hmm. because if they don't advance further in the playoffs or, heaven forbid, don't make the playoffs, in this division it's never a guarantee you're going to be making the playoffs with the talent that they've got in that division. But – if things don't work out as planned this year, then we could see the rumors that happened this offseason turn into actual action next year. So I expect he's going to be with the Seahawks for at least two or three more years. If I had to make a prediction, I think this team is too talented to fall flat, but he wants to win Super Bowls. And if they're not getting close to making that happen, then I think you're going to see him start to use his power a little bit to potentially get out of, out of town. So winning that kind of drama, I mean, it makes Locked On Seahawks and, of course, the fantastic host, Corbin Smith, a must-listen on a daily basis. Check it out. Read his work, Sports Illustrated. Corbin, thank you so much, man. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks for having me, Bo. There's another team that's in on Julio Jones. Actually, there's a ton of teams in on Julio Jones, but a team that's being called the favorite to land the services of Julio Jones. The Tennessee Titans, our guy Tyler Rowland from Locked On Titans, he's going to join us. It's the Locked On NFL podcast. Uh, So Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card And if you win, you'll be notified on the spot. Your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open up your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft freeze, and free withdrawals from the network of over 50,000 ATMs. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account to start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning Instant Karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank, Inc. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Another team in on Julio Jones, the Tennessee Titans, depending on what publication you trust, Pro Football Talk. They said that the Titans were the favorites, and it makes sense when you look at their wide receiver room. We're going to bring on our guy, Tic Tac Tyler, Tyler Rollin from Locked On Titans. He joins us here on the Locked On NFL podcast. Tyler, i got to ask you, I mean, as far as pass 
pass-catching playmakers. A.J. Brown is really the only proven commodity right now on Tennessee's roster. Is that fair to say? Um, I mean, partially fair. I, I do like the new free agent acquisition of Josh Reynolds. I think Reynolds has a lot of talent, and he was playing behind a lot of talented guys in Los Angeles. Think about Brandon Cooks when he was there. Yeah, think about, obviously, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. So Josh Reynolds went over 500 yards last year. Uh, he's been productive in the last two seasons when giving in, given increased reps. So I think he could be a solid player for the Titans, but I don't see him as anything more than a wide receiver three. So I think when yeah. you consider that, and then you look at the rest of the wide receiver room after Reynolds, it's hard to see NFL quality caliber players behind A.J. Brown and Josh Reynolds. So I think that that's a fair statement, but I would throw Josh Reynolds in there as a guy who deserves some consideration as uh, ready to go. All right, so with that being said, do the Titans need to find a way to add Julio Jones if he is indeed available, if he is dealt from Atlanta in the next couple days? Uh, I think it's imperative. Yeah, Personally, that's where I've landed at this point in time. Like I mentioned, I, I do like Josh Reynolds. I, I've been campaigning for Josh Reynolds signing uh, since before free agency kicked off. So I like Josh Reynolds as a player, but he would be a solid number three in this offense. I said that Josh Reynolds would be a good replacement for Corey Davis with the qualifier that the Titans take a wide receiver within the first two rounds of the draft. They did not get a pass catcher that high enough value. Rookie Des Fitzpatrick. Uh, I don't think you can count on a rookie if you're the Titans. The reality is the Titans should be in a window where they're all in. Derrick Henry's wheels are going to fall off eventually. <laughs> I mean, I think he's a unicorn as a running back, but eventually it's going to happen. Ryan Tannehill, I don't see Tannehill as one of these guys who's playing until he's 39, 40, 41 at a high level. He needs his mobility and athleticism as part of his game in the Titans offense. So it's right now for the Titans. They put a ton of resources money-wise into the defense and draft pick wise, which we'll talk a little bit about later. So in theory, you've improved the defense enough, right? I mean, that's what they put all their capital. They cut their starting corners. So now on the offensive side of the ball, if you look at A.J. Brown, Josh Reynolds, Cam Batson, Nick Westbrook-Akina, that's not a Super Bowl winning wide receiver group. And when you lost Jonu Smith and you didn't replace him with anybody, you kept Jeff Swaim and Anthony Ferkser on board, who I like as a tandem to kind of share the duties. But, I mean, what are we talking about here? Anthony Ferkser and Jeff Swaim? Nick Westbrook, Akina Camp? Yes. The Titans have to go get Julio Jones. They're in the window right now. And the, the price that you'll have to pay is economical enough to where it doesn't kill you long term with his contract or the price you would have to pay. So the, the Titans have to go out and make this move, not only because of the situation they're in as a team and their window, but also because of the current situation in the wide receiver room. Who would be the prime candidate to restructure and make it really work financially? That's what everybody says is the Titans don't have cap space. And right now they're at about three and a half million dollars, but they didn't restructure any contracts. Like we saw all these other teams in the NFL do to clear up space. The Titans just cut players to create space. And I think that general manager John Robinson, who's had some public misses, but I think overall he's a top 10 general manager in the league when you look what he's done in Tennessee, he kept that ace in his sleeve. There's no need to push out money into the long term and compromise the future cap situation if you don't need to. So he just cut players that the Titans could go on without and kept that ace in the hole. And now you restructure Ryan Tannehill. You can free up about $15.5 million. That's exactly what Julio Jones has on his contract for this year. It fits perfectly. It's tailor-made. And I, I think it just makes so much sense. The need at wide receiver, the situation the Titans are in with their willingness to pay what the Falcons want, 
and having that ace in the hole with Tannehill's contract restructure. You put all those three things together, and it makes sense that most pundits are, are tagging the Titans now as the number one favorite. It just makes all the sense in the world. And, of course, A.J. Brown has been very public <laughs> about his want for Julio, his idol. So uh, you got you to gotta keep A.J. Brown happy, in my opinion. He's one of the most exciting players the Titans have ever had. It is a uh, there's a tangle web being weaved right now for Julio Jones. You've got Russell mm-hmm. Wilson reportedly chit chatting on the phone like a couple teenage girls. You got DeAndre Hopkins posting on Instagram. You've got AJ Brown yeah. sliding in his, his DMs. It's really going to be interesting yep. to, who, to see who's going to win these sweepstakes. These sweepstakes. Some key members though of this organization, Tyler. Before we get to the early insights on first round pick Caleb Farley. Some key members of this organization, especially on the offensive side of the football, and you mentioned John o. Smith, he's now in New England, but the offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, is now the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Mm-hmm. Um, who's, who's the biggest departure? Who left the biggest void uh, for this team as, as they turn the page to the 2021 season? Well, uh, I have to be honest with you. I was early uh, on saying Titans should let John o. Smith and Corey Davis walk. I, I think that they're good players. Um, they're solid starters in the NFL, but the money that they got both near $12 million AAV, they're just not worth that, especially in the Titans system that creates so much opportunity for players. I mean, the system is more important than any individual player at this moment in time, other than maybe Derrick Henry, because he may be the system if we're, if we're honest. But uh, I guess I think Arthur Smith ultimately is the biggest departure. And while I do have confidence in new offensive coordinator, Todd Downing, uh, I have confidence that he's going to add some new wrinkles the Titans need to add. They have their fastball and their changeup with the run game and the play action. They need that slider. They need that curveball, mm-hmm. that cutter. They need the third pitch. And I think with Todd Downing, when he was an offensive coordinator in Oakland, uh, he did mix in some RPOs. They were one of the more productive offenses passing-wise using RPOs in 2017. So he was kind of ahead on that, more screening in his offense. So those things can maybe diversify the Titans' offense. But ultimately, that being said, Arthur Smith has shown that he's one of the most gifted offensive minds in the NFL. He was deserving of the position that he got with the Atlanta Falcons. I'm hoping for a Falcons-Titans Super Bowl, quite frankly, because I still <laughs> am very fond of Arthur Smith. I, I think it would be naive. Uh, although I'm high on Todd Downing, what he can do, it would be naive to not call Arthur Smith the biggest loss for the Titans this offseason. He's just uh, a brilliant offensive mind. Well, I think it was Mike Vrabel who wore the uh, the mask. He masked up with the the offensive strategy, though. Just hand the ball to Derrick Henry, right? Isn't that uh, it? Wasn't that what he was wearing midseason last year? Yeah, yeah. The Titans coaches love the run the damn ball, run the damn and ball. things like that. And, right. And, and there's no reason to not do that. Sure. But the reality is we saw when the Titans struggled last year, it was because teams limited the run game, which limits the play action. And then the Titans in third and medium, third and long situations, when teams stacked the line of scrimmage with six guys and brought pressure, the Titans didn't have anybody outside of A.J. Brown who could consistently over and over beat their assignment across from them. Corey Davis could do that a good amount of time, but not quite enough to justify his price tag, in my opinion. So the Titans have to find a way to beat man coverage. And again, full circle, that's why Julio Jones with A.J. Brown would just be a boon for this offense. So that, that, that's kind of how I, I, I see that. Run the ball, yes, but you got to have something else because when teams stopped that, the Titans didn't have enough to go to to win games. They reworked the defense as well. They let uh, some key members walk. They added Bud Dupree to the pass rush. They added, uh, was it Adoree Jackson to the, uh, no, not Adoree Jackson. They let Adoree Jackson yeah, walk. Uh, 
Yeah, Janoris Jenkins. Janoris Jenkins, who had his car recently stolen. Um, right. Uh, and then uh, you added some key members in the draft. Uh, Caleb Farley, one of the more polarizing prospects because of his medicals. He had the back procedure. Um, what, are, what, are you, what are the early insights from the former Virginia Tech cornerback? Well, he's been studying up in the film room. He's not able to be out on the field yet as he recovers from that back surgery in February. So the Titans are going to slow play him just like they did Jeffrey Simmons. They're not going to put any official timetables or create any unnecessary expectations for him. They just want him to get back to 100%. But so far in the rookie mini camps and the OTAs, he's been attentive. He's doing film work. He's doing, you know, conversations with the coaches, being in the playbook, things like that. So he's doing all the mental reps that you can possibly do right now, trying to get back onto the field. But the reality is the Titans, like with Jeffrey Simmons, you don't get players that talented dropping into the 20s and at pick 19 like with Simmons. And Simmons has become one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league, completely justified waiting seven or so games for him to get healthy his rookie year. So if the Titans medical staff is right on Caleb Farley, which let's be honest, I'm not a doctor. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I haven't examined him personally. And even if I did, I wouldn't know whether he was healthy or not anyway. So if the Titans professional medical staff feels comfortable with Farley, then who am I to say any different? The reality is if he is healthy, he has a chance to be one of the top 20 top 15 cornerbacks in the NFL, six foot two, that sort of recovery speed. It's just hard to find guys with that sort of combination that late in the first round. So if he stays healthy, which is what makes him polarizing, then the Titans are going to have a good one, but that remains to be seen. A sub four three forty unofficially uh, because of the procedure, yeah. but uh, just it, it's pretty scary to think about what he could be if he can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Tyler Rollin, of course, Tic Tac Tyler at Tic Tac Titans on Twitter. Fantastic. Listen each and every day on Locked on Titans. Thank you so much, Tyler. Appreciate your time, man. Yep. Thank you so much. Julio Jones isn't the only big name that could be on the move post June 1st. Zach Ertz, the former Pro Bowl tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles. It seems like those sides are inevitably moving towards divorce. Our guy, Gino Camilleri from Locked on Eagles, he's going to tell us how things will likely end for Ertz and the Birds. It's the Lockdown NFL Podcast. I always love to tell you about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar, and there's no protein bar like it. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. You can save yourself some money while cashing in and tasting the best protein bar ever. What's your favorite Built Bar flavor? There's nine delicious flavors that you can always rely upon, plus limited time flavors. Like they brought back orange for one day last week. You have to keep up with Built Bar on social media to find out when their delicious limited-time flavors are back in rotation. But you can always rely upon coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everyone. If you don't know what your favorite flavor is, get a mix box. You can get two of each flavors. If you know what your favorite flavors are, you can get a mix box of three different flavors all just in one box. Or you could just get one flavor that you really, really like. And the Built Bars, they're equally healthy as they are delicious. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. By far the most nutritious protein bar on the market as well. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com.
So we're post-June 1st officially tomorrow here on the Monday edition of Locked On NFL Podcast. Bo Brock hanging out with you and another big name that could be on the move outside of Julio Jones' tight end, Zach Ertz. To join us, it's Gino Camilleri from Locked On Birds, Locked On Eagles. He joins us. Gino, what are the chances that Zach Ertz is on this roster by the time this 2021 season kicks off with Philadelphia? I think it's kind of like the Carson Wentz situation where it's hit that point of no return almost. And if you look at what Brandon Brooks said in his press conference last week addressing the trade rumors, he said, yeah, of course there were trade rumors, but it is what it is. And he was there at OTAs and he got his money a few years ago, but an individual by the name of Zach Ertz is in a position where he did the exact opposite of that. Doesn't show up to OTAs. He demanded to get a contract with two years left on his deal, something they never do in Philadelphia. He just has done everything, in my opinion, the wrong way since last season, even though he did go out there and play. But now it's at the point where I think the last straw has broken the camel's back and Mm -hmm. you're going to see him moved for way less than a guy who still has good ball to play should have been moved for. But with everything that's gone on with Dallas Goddard in our back pocket, the leverage is kind of to whatever team is trading for Zach Ertz. It's kind of the bargain bin shopping time almost here at this June 1st time. But you're talking about guys like Julio Jones and Zach Ertz These guys should be going for way more than they are, but it is the time in the season. It's the dead cap that the team's going to take. It's the contract that the team is going to have to take on. It's what they're going to have to pay them additionally. So there's a lot of factors in any high-profile move like this, but with Zach Ertz, there is no way he can play in Philadelphia. I just don't see it happening, especially with a player who Dallas Goddard is arguably a top 10 tight end already in his career. As long as he's healthy, he's going to be the more athletic tight end at this point in his career Mm -hmm. and a very similar guy to Zach Ertz in terms of how he made his money in the NFL would be a guy like Jason Witten who was in our own division just a few years ago and you saw after Jason got to that 31-32 mark in his career it was a steady decline yeah so when you just kind of look apples to apples a very good route running wide receiver takes a lot of hits over the middle Mm -hmm. that's Jason Witten that's Zach Ertz to me their planes are probably going to be linear because Zach Ertz has taken a bunch of bumps and bruises going over the middle. He's not going to get any younger. He's not going to get any more athletic, even though he wasn't the most athletic guy to begin with. So to me, it's Dallas Goddard's job. He's younger by a a marginal effect at that position, Mm -hmm. and you're paying him way less. And if you had to pick one of the two to pay because you can't pay both of them, Lou and I both have said it on our show, we're taking Dallas Goddard simply because we want to be a faster a more efficient team, getting the ball out quick, getting the ball into space. That's a guy like Dallas Goddard who can use his yards after the catchability. That's his strong suit. And he, to me, more resembles the top tight ends in the league, Mm -hmm. like the Travis Kelseys of the league that can use their athleticism to their advantage. Zach Ertz is not at that point in his career anymore, and he never really was that, but he does do his job very well. It's just time to move on in Philadelphia because with the new coaching staff, there is a new era here in Philly. They want to get younger. They want to get faster. They want to get more explosive. So Zach Ertz, he doesn't fit any of those narratives. It's his time to – unfortunately, it's sad, but it's one of those things that comes with the NFL being a business. No doubt about it. It is most definitely the business side of this game that uh, mm-hmm. sometimes you see some faces of the franchise 
You see some ugly divorces as far as that's concerned. And number 20 or number 20 in the <laughs> background, man. I mean, that's the one thing we never thought we would saw, see Brian Dawkins in another jersey. Sure. Zach Ertz wins the Super Bowl for us on an unbelievable play to cross the goal line, mm-hmm. gets that big fourth down play in the Super Bowl, but you don't pay for what they've done. You sure. got to pay for what they are going to do. And to look at it, I would love to keep Zach but not at the price he wants to be paid. Is there is there a good chance that uh, Howie Roseman, a guy, a general manager who's been uh, you know known to love to deal trade? I think he's going to approach about a hundred trades here with, with the next deal he pulls off. Is there is there a chance that Zach Ertz doesn't even get dealt? His leverage just completely fallen flat, and he's a guy that just gets released. Yeah, that's the one avenue that two years ago never even crossed my mind but it really has creeped in in the last couple weeks or so because if you're a team right now like the Buffalo Bills or Green Bay or New Orleans for example I don't know if Philly would deal him to a team within the conference but it is possible that if he gets cut he goes and he's already getting paid the money for this year they're gonna have to pay it to him because they cut him and then he's gonna go out and get a contract for a contender at a reasonably lower rate so to me, if you could get a sixth or a seven for him at this rate, I think it's the way to go. One, because you have more optionality on where you can trade him. And I, I believe they would try to do right by him. But who knows? With everything that he has done, he's kind of forced their hand here a little bit. So Howie Roseman might be a little bit bitter. And that might be one of the emotional responses that Howie has had in the past. And it could come to fruition again here. But if he does end up walking and they end up cutting him, some team is going to get an exceptional player unbelievably late in the process. And yeah. if I'm a contender, I'm hitting up the phone as soon as that hits the waiver or the transaction wire. I am hitting those numbers of Zach Ertz's phone and saying, what do you want to come play here for? Yeah. You know we have a run left in us. You have two or three good years. We really could figure it out. I was thinking a team like New England might deal for him, but they made those two big moves at the tight end position. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at teams like Buffalo right now. I'm looking at teams like Green Bay, teams that could use that additional tier in the upgrade at the tight end position, but at the same time are a little bit strapped for cash. But right now it makes for a good pair. Zach Ertz wants to pay, play, excuse Mm -hmm. me, Teams don't want to pay, and they're not going to pay this far into the offseason. So it kind of lines up well if Zach wants to have his pick of the litter. But yeah. for Philly, you're losing out on a guy who was a Pro Bowl caliber player, an all-pro caliber player, and getting nothing for him. Yeah. So to me, it's it's another mark on whoever's in the personnel department making those decisions. But at the same time, you have to think about it. It is a business, and that's why I always – I don't get upset anymore with how these things play out. I mean, we saw Deshaun Jackson get cut in the prime of his career and they got nothing for him. So this is no different from any other transaction they've made in Philadelphia. But to lose a guy like Zach Ertz, who still should be in the consideration to be a top tight end this year upcoming, it's just tough to swallow that you get absolutely nothing for him. I at least hope they get a sixth or a seventh because Howie is a good day three drafter. So I mean, that would be something. (laughs) At least anything at this point. Or even apply. I I just want to bring this up real quick. Uh, Maybe a player swap in a late round pick. Like I saw one trade mentioned uh, Tommy Sweeney for Zach Ertz and a six round pick. I would take Tommy Sweeney. I like him from the Buffalo Bills. He's kind of on the outs there. A team that would kind of want to upgrade at that position over what they have. Philly still has a need 
after Dallas Goddard, because if Goddard goes down, they have no experience at that position. I mean, they have guys like Tyree Jackson and Hakeem Butler who have minimal snaps in the NFL at all and are converting to that position. So they need to at least have somebody that can play and get some meaningful reps or has a few meaningful reps in the NFL already behind Dallas Goddard once Eckerts inevitably does leave. It's going to be an interesting story to follow. Of course, tomorrow, June 1st, things get interesting in the NFL. I mean, they're unbelievable how they can keep themselves atop the news cycle here. Gino Camilleri, of course, Locked On Birds. He co-hosts it with Louis DiBiase, one of the best shows on the network. Gino, thank you so much for your time, man. Hey, appreciate that, Bo. Have a good one. Thank you for having me on. That's going to do it for me, Bo Brock. Tomorrow, June 1st, it's like a whole new wave of potential transactions. You can hit the NFL. You're going to want to listen to the Locked On NFL podcast for all that news and information. Hosting tomorrow, your guys, Ross Jackson, Lucas Braun. They're going to talk some more Julio Jones, and they're going to get into that fantasy football discussion that we always love. And, of course, today... Memorial Day. We honor the men and women who died serving our country. Pay our respects to you. Those who made the ultimate sacrifice. That's going to do it for me, Bo Brock. Have a great rest of your Monday. I will talk to you next week. If you're in the car, if you're headed back from a nice trip over the weekend, check out the Locked On Today podcast. It gives you all of your sports news in under 20 minutes. Host Peter Bukowski is going to update you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of of our local experts here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts.